Can you hear me crunch? Unicycle Life Podcast. It's a unicycle Unicycle man in on one wheel doing stunts. Jumping up the stairs and riding down the slopes and tricking. Responding to questions if you've got a wheel missing. There's your other one late. It's up your mother's ass. Cycling. Yes, boys. Hello and welcome to the Unicycle Life podcast. Uh, this is series two, episode three. There's been a bit of a gap between the last two. Uh, I made a stupid commitment uh, in January, I think, this year that I was going to do one every month. And, well, life's just got in the way, really. Um, but welcome. A warm welcome back to the third episode of this year. Um, welcome to new listeners, existing listeners. Um, and remember that you can join the conversation as well. So if you've got any comments to add to the things we're going to talk about, if you've got any questions for the guest, um, then either put a comment under this it usually ends up in facebook unicycle chat and on the, the forum um or email us at unicyclelifepodcast at gmail.com uh, so we've got quite a small panel this this month um we've got gareth welcome um and i think it's your first podcast gareth it is yeah so it's my first one so yeah like i'm really pleased to uh, be here cool uh, let's break you in gently um Thanks. and we've, we've also got peter bates howdy um and that is our podcast squad for this episode. Um, so we've also got, um, as the previous two episodes, we've got a special guest. Um, and Ed Pratt in the last episode completely ruined the guest a guest. We've managed to uh, keep this guest under wraps. Um, I'm really excited to have this guest on, as always. Um, but Gareth and Pete, it's going to be your job to try and guess who we've got hanging at the sidelines um the guest has got for the benefit of the listeners the guest has got uh their camera and microphone turned off and so pete and gareth are gonna try and guess who the guest is only using yes or no questions um so i've got um in fact the guest can even type in the chat box so when um when Pete and Gareth ask you questions, guest, if you could type the answer, yes or no, into the, the chat box on the call, um, then the guys will be able to see your answer. Uh, and I'm going to give you two minutes because this could get awfully boring for the listeners. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't got it after two minutes, we'll call it and we'll, we'll get the guests to reveal themselves. Um, so yeah, g- go for it, guys. Take it away. Um, are you an... Are you an an urban uh, rider guest is typing okay yes oh yeah and i have to read this out for the benefit of the listeners <laughs> yeah. have have i met you to your knowledge <laughs> that's still fairly broad <laughs> <To your knowledge. laughs> there's, there's quite a few unicyclists i haven't met so have you oh, met pete so. guest Guest is typing. I'll definitely cut these bits out. 
<laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> Have you been to uh, Winter EUC? That's a good one. Yeah. Yes. So that that's so that that's it most probably where I've met them. Because I think that's the only sort of international event I've been to. Most of the others, STFU rides. So we've got one minute remaining. Okay, so are you, a, are you a are you a trials uh, rider? Guest is typing. Yes. Trials rider. Been to Winter EC. Has met Pete. We think. Are you Hungarian? Ah, okay. This Hungarian Charles Ryder. We think it, they've met. Is it Pete. Mark Fabian? Yes, it's Mark <laughs> Fabian on the podcast. I always make a big thing about this, but it's always really anticlimactic. Mark Fabian, please reveal yourself. You can turn your camera microphone on, and I can say your name. Come on down, <laughs> hey guys! Wow, Mark, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Pretty good. Thanks for having me, guys. How you doing? Hey, Mark. Not too bad. Um, your lockdown hair is crazy, by the way. I love it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, thanks, guys. It's a little bit of a time travel back into 10 years ago. I, I saw, Ed, that you also had a nice lockdown hair, but you just cut it, and also you, you shaved your beard. Yeah, I thought uh, I was getting a bit bored of it, um, and it was starting to look scruffy, so I just... Buzz the whole lot off, and I'm just going to start again. I quite enjoyed having long hair, though, to be honest. Actually, I, I also like it. Just uh, right now, it's getting to a length that uh, you know, I, I always, I always have the feeling that I have something in my uh, peripheric view. For example, even when I'm riding, like many times, it's a little bit disturbing that I have to have my hair like right in the corner of my eyes. Uh, so now it's getting to a to a length when. I, I really started to consider that yeah it's it's time to cut it, but uh, yeah it's it's I, I it's been nice I, I like it and uh, anyway I, I wanted to grow it uh, this year because my uh, my ID uh, is going to get expired soon and uh, I have quite long hair on my ID card and uh, I thought it was quite funny that whenever I had to hand it to someone I had like a you know huge <laughs> hair on that and uh, in the past years I always had short hair so they were like. <laughs> what okay like what 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 is this that you and i really like that so i thought anyway it would have been fun to grow my hair again for the id photo so yeah i'll have that uh done soon and probably i i will cut it a little bit shorter yeah that's uh i always think of you with big hair actually and i i think it's probably from early videos <laughs> Probably, yeah. And when all the French people used to call me Fabian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fabian Mark. I used to think you were called <laughs> Fabian Mark. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's uh, that's old because uh, pretty much the first video that went somewhat international of me, it was uh, the high jump video from 2007, uh, the 110. Uh, actually, when we put the title on YouTube, we didn't write uh, Mark Fabian, but Fabian Mark. So pretty much everyone in the unicycle scene thought my first name was Fabian. <laughs> and then uh, at my first uh, international event at Fluck 2007, people were like, hey, Fabian, nice to meet you. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so just to give a bit of background to people who might be listening who don't know who you are, uh, Mark Fabian, not Mark not Fabian Mark, um, <laughs> trials world champion, um, 10, 10 times EUC trials champion 
Uh, was it 11? I, I, I think in total I'm 16 times uh, EUC champion and uh, one of them is uh, is high jump and the rest is trials. It's uh, summer and, uh, and winter combined. Combined, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, 2008 high jump world champion. Um, three correct. times still stand world champion. <laughs> so you have a lot of accolades yep. to your name, Mark. Wow. Um, and I... I mean, we're friends. Um, I think we know each other reasonably well. Um, so you might know a lot. You might. I know a lot of the answers to the questions that I'm going to ask. Um, but obviously, not everyone else is going to know. Um, so I'm going to ask them anyway. It might seem a bit weird me asking you these questions. Um, but there is stuff in here that I want to know as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to have you on, man. And, um, yeah, me too. Um, Gareth and Pete, if you've got any questions that I, I completely miss, I haven't exactly had loads of time to prepare this episode. So if there's anything glaringly obvious that I miss or that you guys want to know, just jump in and interrupt me. Sure. Um, Candy. So, Mark, you are you're actually probably the only person I know who actually started riding because you couldn't afford a bike. Um, I know the story behind how you started riding, but can you tell the listeners? Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> so it was uh, it was 2004, actually. Uh, I was 14 years old, and um, I used to ride a cycle, uh, uh, cross country mountain bike back then. I mean, I wasn't super serious about it. I, I didn't like really go to races and everything, but I did have like a somewhat decent mountain bike and uh, and I went on uh, multiple trainings a week and I was quite obsessed with it uh, up until a point when, yeah, as I was 14 years old uh, or 14 years old, I couldn't really go to events and races all the time. And uh, I somewhat got bored of just uh, doing circles in my local park. Um, so yeah, I, I was looking for something more interesting, something more challenging. And uh, back then, uh, there was a mountain bike. Uh, it was a printed magazine. It was called Bike Mag. And uh, they had multiple articles about uh, bike trials, which was becoming more and more popular uh, at that time in Hungary. And I was like, hey, that's that's something I, I would love to try. And uh, I, I got really interested in it. Uh, I even went to uh, watch uh, as a spectator to some bike trail competitions just to see the riders performing and everything and uh, I was pretty sure that yeah this this is for me I, I was super interested in it but uh, as you said I, I couldn't afford myself a trials bike not even a used one I remember I was uh, I was always checking uh, uh, like the uh, uh, the used bikes and everything, but uh, I didn't really find a bike that would have uh, suited me. But I really wanted something for uh, 2005 summer to like entertain myself uh, and everything. I wasn't really into football or, or any other sports, so yeah, bike biking was my thing, and uh, and I just wanted something to to have fun with during summer. And uh, since I couldn't afford the bike, I saw another article in the very same uh, magazine about the unicycle scene in Hungary, which seemed to be quite fun. Uh, there seemed to be some uh, weekly uh, events uh, for beginners and everything. So I was like, yeah, why, why not give this a try? Uh, the initial plan was to buy a unicycle and uh, solely for the issue uh, or for the purpose to improve my balance until I save up enough uh, uh, money to, to buy a trials bike. And um, actually, yeah, the plan 
uh, went a bit wrong. I got my unicycle. I started going to these uh, weekly trainings. And basically, I, I just fell in love with unicycling, you know. Um, I would say it was half uh, the sport itself and half the community. It, like already at that time, back in the day in Hungary, it was like such a supportive environment and everything. Uh, I so enjoyed these uh, weekly events that uh, I, I just didn't want to uh, switch to bike trials after that. Uh, as soon as I discovered that I could do trials with a unicycle too, I was like, okay, wow, then this is my thing. Let's uh, let's do this. And uh, yeah, 16 years later, I still haven't gotten the trials bike and I don't regret it. Yeah, wow. So you never got that trials bike? Um. No, actually, actually not. Uh, sometimes I think about that I, I should get a trials bike just, just for the fun and just uh, to practice it a little bit. But I mean, I'm not bored of unicycle trials, so I just prefer to do that more. Yeah, yeah. I think... They're very, they're so similar, but they're also so different as well. Um, I rode almost predominantly with Charles bikers um, from about 2010 onwards, um, and so I and I had a Charles bike at one point. Um, but they are, despite how similar they are, I mean, I, I started riding with them and I latched onto that group because they go as slow as we do when they're doing when you're doing a ride through a city or a town. They don't ride their bikes; they'll they'll walk and they'll push. Uh, and that's exactly what we do. Um, so you're never left behind. Um, but other than that, the similarities kind of end. Um, I always find it interesting how something can be so similar, but also so different. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, there are many uh, differences in the techniques. Uh, we mostly jump sideways. Uh, bikers mostly jump forwards, yeah. uh, which also means uh, some uh, differences in the parts that we use. Like, you know, uh, when I was starting, almost all bike trail riders used uh, double wall rims, just as we do. Uh, although now bike trail rims evolved uh, to single wall versions, which uh, are just simply not strong enough for unicycle riding. So yeah, there are some similarities, but actually, as you said, also for me too, uh, since I started unicycle trials with the original intention to to get into bike trials, it was natural for me to to start riding with uh, with bike trial riders, yeah. and um, it was a great environment because when I started, uh, of course there were other riders in Hungary, uh, also other riders uh, who were into unicycle trials before me. Actually, one of them uh, even have been to uh, Unicon in uh, in Lagenthal in two thousand six, and. Uh, there were like lots of other riders uh, before me that I could train with, but uh, I wanted to ride like I don't know basically every every day, uh, and yeah, so so to to get company for that because obviously it's more uh, fun to ride uh, when you're not alone. Uh, I started riding with bike trials riders, and there was a nice uh, trials course in in Budapest at that time which basically I've spent, uh, I would say, I don't know, four to five afternoons every week, probably. Wow. And uh, there was a pretty active uh, bike, not just bike trails, there was also some ramps and some uh, dirt jumps. So there was a pretty nice uh, mountain bike, BMX and trials bike scene there. Uh, and yeah, so I, I spent quite a bit of time there and, uh, and I got kind of part of that uh, community too. And it's always so strange for me when uh, I talk to riders uh, from other countries and they are trials riders too and i asked them like, okay so do you train with uh, with the local trials bike trial riders and they are like oh no i don't know any of them and i'm like 
what the hell? Like, how 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 that come? Like, yeah. your guys are doing the same thing. Uh, you could have a great time together. How come you you don't even know your local writers? And uh, yeah, so I, I always encourage people to uh, to like find find their uh, local fellow trials writers. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have been as successful in trials if I hadn't ridden with the bikers. Um, they always pushed me. Always. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I I also think like uh usually you can go a little bit bigger with the bike i mean uh you have different technology if you do a hook like something you it's relatively easy to get up a larger obstacle so i think it's a it's a nice motivation for uni riders to to push yourself a bit more obviously you got into unicycle trials because you were trying to get a trials bike but did you before you started riding unicycles did you realize there was like trials unicycling uh, or did you realize the urban scene existed on unicycles? So uh, actually, one of the first articles that I saw in that uh, printed bicycle magazine in, in Budapest that was about uh, like a Christmas ride, the local unicyclists organized, and they were all dressed up as a Santa Claus and they were handing out like small gift bags to like charities and stuff. That was quite awesome. But obviously that was just uh, normal riding. And uh, actually, I I remember uh, seeing uh, two videos that like kind of uh, opened my my view up on unicycles. One of them was uh, Chris Holmes part in the New World Disorder. Like as I said, I was into mountain bike riding, so uh, I saw the New World Disorder series, and I remember like uh, watching Chris Holm, and I like wow that's that's crazy just on one video and everything but at that point i wasn't really uh looking at that uh that i already knew that in the future i i want to be riding a unicycle at the point where i saw that i was just like wow i've never seen anything like that that's crazy and uh, the other video that made me realize that unicycle trials is actually a thing is uh actually it's a cox one video with yogi uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. It's called the uh, Breast 2005. Um, it's a pretty crazy video. It starts uh, with uh, like some footage from uh, from a juggling convention. People doing you know like uh, all the crazy stuff at like uh, uh, juggling combats and stuff. And then all of a sudden the music changes. There comes some hardcore music and like Yogi starts jumping around on like wreck cars and pallets and everything. And I remember I was watching that video and it was like jaw dropping for me. Like, really, I, I didn't know you could do that stuff on a unicycle. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this. And um, yeah, so so I, I usually say like when people ask me which which was the first unicycle video I saw and where do my trials motivation come from, I usually uh, like to relate to this exact video. Uh, and then obviously I, I got uh, I discovered the Cox Fun website and I watched all the videos like a million times. And uh, yeah, so so this is where uh, my source of inspiration came from, especially in the in the beginning. And uh, yeah, so that was the point when, when I discovered Unicycle Trials. And of course, uh, when I started going to these uh, trainings with the guys, uh, so I got my first unicycle. And um, actually prior to that, uh, there was an event uh, it was like a big sports event in, in Budapest uh, and 
there was like a demo area for unicycles. There was also a bike trail competition there. And I originally went to this event uh, to check the bike trail competition. But uh, I also saw in the program that there's going to be like a unicycle demo area. And I thought it would be cool to go and check it out. Uh, as at this point, I already had in mind that, yeah, maybe I could get a unicycle to, to improve my balance. And uh, I, I went there. And actually, that was the very first time I met uh, Benny, uh, Princess, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so he was yeah, there. Yeah. He was already riding at that time. Uh, he started a year earlier than me. And, uh, and that was the very first time I, I sat on a unicycle. I tried it. And, uh, well, I, I started just like everyone else, you know, like I was kind of struggling to, to get on top of it. So there was no like, yeah, I immediately got on it and jumped, I don't know, six pallets or something. It was totally not like that. I, I had to go the hard way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the first time I tried it. And then a bit later, I got my first unicycle. And then every Monday, we would have uh, a training together, which uh, I usually went to and then I remember I, I, it, it took me quite a bit of time to learn how to ride and to get the control over the uni and everything. And, uh, and at, at those meetings, uh, there were some people who, uh, who were already on a quite advanced level. I don't know, they could jump like uh, three and a half to four pallets, something like that. So I, I would also meet unicycle trials in, in person too. So was that, was that the first kind of, was that a pure unicycle event you went to when you met Benny? No, that, that the unicycling was just a small part of that. It was basically it was a huge uh, sport event. There was uh, there were a lot of urban sports, including uh, skateboarding, breakdancing, uh, bike trials. There was even uh, motocross. But there were also more uh, conventional sports such as uh, basketball, football, etc. Actually, it was called the uh, Sportsiget which uh, translates to sports island in, uh, in Hungarian. Mm. It was a pretty cool event actually. And uh, it was uh, targeting uh, like basically kids of my age, uh, 10 to 16 year olds, uh, where they could just basically go and try a lot of different sports so they, they can decide uh, what are they interested there. And actually it did the work to me. That was the first time I sat on a unicycle and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. set me off on a beautiful journey yeah um what was the first unicycle like dedicated unicycle event you went to then uh i think okay um so if not only competitions but even like conventions uh apply then yeah i think i have to say uh that in the first year when i started riding 2005 uh we had like an autumn camp uh, in Hungary, which which was crazy. It, it was my first, uh, like, it, I think it was my first not school-related trip uh, with other people. Like, you know, like, you always go on, like, class trips and everything, but um, I haven't really... I, I was doing a bit of basketball and stuff in, in elementary school, but I wasn't really on the level that I would go to, like, training camps or something. So I think this was probably the first event... Uh, where I was, you know, away for like a whole weekend and which was not school related, really. And uh, it was awesome, you know, just a bunch of friends uh, hanging out uh, multiple days. I remember we were like riding nonstop with Benny. Uh, on the first afternoon, uh, I broke my hub uh, of my unicycle. <laughs> oh my so I was riding, 
Uh, I think I, I think I got a, like a spare unicycle from someone, so I rode that whole time. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was like the first dedicated unicycle event, and then the next uh, summer I went to the first competition, which was uh, the Hungarian Championships. Um, yeah, and that was I think that was that's gonna be my my first competition. Nice. Do, do you know where you placed in that? Did you compete? Yeah, I, I, I did compete. Uh, actually, at that time, we had like a lot of different uh, competitions. We even have done slow race and stuff. Um, I remember I, uh, I won high jump. Uh, I almost have done one meter side hop uh, at that time, which I was super happy for. I didn't do it. I did uh, like a back jump from it, but uh, I, was, I was pretty close to it. I, I was so stoked about it. And um, I, I think I also, yeah, yeah, yeah. We also did a trials competition, and I actually won that too. It was uh, we didn't do the IUF rules actually. <laughs> we did uh, we did kind of like it was kind of like an eliminator competition. There was just one massive course, and uh, you had to go as far as you could. Nice, I, I like a sort of a tiebreaker, I guess, but in a comp. Exactly, exactly, and uh, there was. Uh, a car built in the course as well that was the first time for me to ride on a car so that was pretty cool wow uh, so what the year was this 2006 that was 2006 yeah that's crazy man that you almost so you won high jump with almost a meter yeah after like one year of riding exactly that's correct <laughs> crazy wow yeah that's no wonder you're world champion <laughs> <laughs> I think after one year, I was still struggling to get up a curb. <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, but like nowhere near a meter. Um, so what is, what is it about trials that uh, attracts you? Like what what is it? Why trials? Okay, so um, actually, I the first memory I have with trials is with bike trials. It was probably sometime in 2002, 2003, uh, when uh, there is an island uh, in the middle of Budapest. Uh, for the listeners that were not aware, uh, like the Danube is crossing through Budapest and there's a beautiful island in the middle, uh, which has some pretty cool spots uh, on it to ride. And I remember I, I was uh, out on the island with my family and uh, we were uh, like walking around and there was this uh, awesome spot on the island which uh, also cool as a kid you know you can just it's a bu bunch of walls and everything it's a ruins of a, of a cathedral and uh, yeah I, I really wanted to go there to just jump around a little bit and like climb the walls and stuff and there were some bike trial riders I remember and uh, I, I was so fascinated about trials already at that time I was just like wow, this is crazy. I, I didn't think about me doing it uh, at that time. But uh, I, I just remember it, it like burned into my memory. I, I can still uh, recon the, the faces and everything. And actually, now I know those riders personally, uh, who were there uh, oh, training, cool. which is quite cool. Yeah. And then, uh, but it was not instant. Like, as I said earlier, after that, I got into uh, cross country. Uh, mountain bike and I was more interested in bike trials etc so it was not like an instant thing that after that point I was already into trials but uh, it was definitely uh, a startup for or a beginning of something and then um, I don't know I, I 
I wasn't really into uh, tricks or something, so I, I was not super interested in like BMX riding. I don't know what really caught me in trials, but uh, I remember that uh, at that time I discovered trials on the pages of uh, of that magazine. Uh, they were highly promoting downhill and, and free ride riding as well, you know, with the huge suspension bikes and everything. Uh, but uh, I don't know, I, I was not really keen on doing that. For some reason, Trials was, uh, was just more uh, relevant to me. I, I was more interested in that. I, I, I cannot really find the, re uh, the reason why, but uh, it, it might be something that, uh, I don't know. I don't know, really. <laughs> it's, it's just natural, I guess, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you find it fun, it doesn't really matter why you do it. Yeah, so so there was there was not like a reason why I purposely chose trials because I knew it would be good uh, for me. I just naturally had this feeling that wow, I I would love this thing, and uh, yeah, so I you know I could have chosen I don't know free ride riding downhill, uh, road cycling, whatever, or, or I could could have uh, stick with basketball or anything. But for some reason, I I, I just naturally had this instinct to choose trials <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this um, uh, um is it the uh feeling of of uh of solving a uh problem like where you uh look at the 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 um the thing that you uh, uh want to uh, get to and then you think about how you might uh navigate through it and then when you finally do it like is that kind of the feeling that you're you're uh, I'm attached to? It's it's funny that you bring this up because uh, the moment when Ed uh, asked me this question, I actually wanted to say this as an answer, but uh, then it it flicked through my mind that I do love this about trials, but uh, this came uh, after I was already into trials. Like it was a little bit later point when I was already riding when I realized like. Hey, I, this is one thing I really love about trials, like this problem solving thing that it's not just, you just, I don't know, don't think and you go ahead and, and you do whatever, but trials is really a mind thing. Like a lot of things you have to, uh, a lot of times you have to plan things ahead. You have to think about how you will land on a specific obstacle, uh, which way your momentum will take you, how you will go to the next obstacle, etc. But this definitely came a bit later in the game. But yeah, this is this is one thing that I do love about uh, trials. I found as um, as I progressed in trials, and certainly in competitions more recently, maybe within the last five years, I found I actually enjoy taking the most awkward line through a line rather than the most obvious. Um, so I actually found some footage today of Unicon 18 in San Sebastian. And um, my friend recorded basically the whole of my trials, uh, my trials qualification run. Um, and I was watching it and I'm taking just like the stupidest lines because some of the lines are like kind of easy because it's all built from pallets mostly. And there's the, there's an obvious line usually through each obstacle. Right. Um, but I was taking like ridiculous lines through them. And I think I'm not too bothered about doing well anymore. I just enjoy taking the most awkward line through it just for the challenge. Yeah. And, and I find that more fun than taking the easy route that I know I can get through. 
Yeah, well, in, in some way, uh, I was also doing that. I mean, uh, I always like to challenge myself to do everything to tire. And actually, I think this might be a good point to talk a little bit. We can bring this up later in the conversation, uh, but this might be a good thing to, to bring up uh, Ryan Atkins and, uh, and Defect, uh, the unicycle movie, which I highly recommend everyone to watch. It's a really awesome, really high quality movie by Dan Heaton. This is not an advertisement, <laughs> this, uh, but this, uh, this uh, DVD purely had a huge influence, uh, not just on me, but I'm pretty sure on you guys too. And uh, so there's a sh really short interview with uh, Ryan Atkins. Uh, if, well, okay, just sorry guys, one word about Ryan Atkins. So he was basically uh, like a trials god uh, in unicycling and he was one of my uh, trials heroes uh, when when I started and after I discovered him, he was uh, one of the first people who really took seat in front riding to, to like a higher level. Uh, he was one of the first people to jump over uh, one meter, etc. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was super obsessed with him, obsessed with him. And uh, so he had this small interview in, in Defect where he talks about he likes to challenge himself to to do lines from as few hops as possible and then i was like okay well then this is what i have to do if i if i want to be as good as ryan then i have to do lines from as few hops as possible which also was including to me like as few pedal grabs as possible and probably this is where this whole thing for me come from to to try to be as clean as possible try to do as few pedal grabs as possible yeah so yeah, this is uh, this is my approach uh, to this uh, thing that you mentioned that you try to do the lines the weirdest way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember um, Ryan Leach, the trials biker? Yeah, definitely, of course. And he had a he had a technique for trials, and I can't remember what he called it. Um, he had a he had a word for the the method of trials, and it was similar to to Ryan Atkins, where he would try and. It, most stuff was rolling, I think, with Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Like Ryan was really coming from a mountain bike background. He he was riding, and he still rides trials with a suspension uh, fork. Yeah. And um, but he, he did crazy stuff. Like he was riding chains and everything. So he did all the crazy stuff, but with like a proper mountain bike. So uh, yeah, I, I do remember him, and I do remember uh, watching his videos and everything. Yeah, I, I went through a phase of trying to do all my trials lines rolling uh like minimal hops and just just yeah. pedaling the whole yeah. time yeah. and it's so much harder it is, <laughs> but it it's, is. it's good challenge yeah I'm, I'm still in that phase <laughs> somewhat <laughs> not always obviously but but sometimes and um uh, actually sorry guys just one more thing i wanted to add uh to your previous question about why i choose trials and that uh so uh i actually tried a lot of different sports and uh as a kid, I, I wasn't really good in, in any sports, to be honest. Like, it's it not, it's not like I was uh, like a multi-talented kid that would go, would try anything and I would be like, you know, best in class from everything. Uh, I wasn't really the opposite, but I was kind of an, you know, average Joe. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I, I wasn't super good uh, in any of the sports that I, that I tried. Uh, I was usually quite uh, uh, disciplined and devoted, but, uh, but I wasn't like, crazy talented and and i remember the the thing that really uh caught my attention in trial is that 
I finally found or I finally felt that, hey, I, I might be talented in, in this thing. And um, still today, I, I, I don't really say that I'm talented in trials. I don't know if I'm really uh, talented in trials, but the thing that uh, I was like naturally uh, devoted and uh, and like kind of hardworking, it really paid off in trials and unicycling because obviously this this is a sport where you really got to put the work in. Uh, you know, like most of the things, uh, many times when people ask me, how do I do this? How do I do that? There's no secret. It's just hours and hours and hours of training. And um, yeah, it really paid off. And, and, and this is another thing that really uh, made me stick to trials and, and, and uh, made me love this sport and, and appreciate it a lot. Yeah, that actually that, uh, that ties into something I was going to ask you. Um, you you've been competing at a high level for a really long time now. Um, usually, people only have like a few years where they're super competitive, um, but you've been com- competing at a high level for it seems like ages. Um, how have you stayed competitive? And you, I guess you've just answered that just bloody hard work <laughs> yeah yeah bloody bloody hard work and uh and a lot of sacrifices too i mean unicycling is not a very big sport so uh, unfortunately a lot of people uh before some and unfortunately many people uh they quit unicycling before they could reach uh their full potential and uh most of the time that's because you know life gets in the way uh, they get out of high school, they go to college or they go to work and uh, they sacrifice unicycling uh, to, you know, dedicate their time to whatever. And um, and for me, I, I just I wasn't ready to do that. Um, I, I went to I went to uh, university in 2008, uh, the summer after uh, Unicon in Copenhagen. And uh, I remember when we started out, I had a lot of uh, classmates who were into mountain biking, skateboarding, uh, whatever. And I was so sad uh, to see that many of them, unfortunately, they gave up on their sport. I don't know, in, in like the second semester. And uh, I really I really did not want it to do that. Uh, I, I, I really felt like unicycling is my thing. And actually, I, I went to... Uh, that specific uh, college, it was industrial design because uh, I wanted to design unicycle parts and and I was super interested in that. So I was like, hell no, I'm not quitting unicycling at this point. Like I I for sure want to discover what what else I I can do in this sport. So so yeah, it was definitely a a tough time. I graduated uh, from my master's in 2015. So it was a tough but uh, beautiful seven years of my life. But uh, I, I managed to to go to university and unicycle at the same time, and I always encourage everyone else to do the same. It's uh, it's definitely possible to do it, and uh, what I like to say is that uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it's also uh, twenty four hours a day for for us. So you gotta sacrifice something. Uh, for me, it was a little bit of social life. I didn't really go to uh, uh, college parties, which. Yeah, of course, it would have been nice and everything to, to hang out a bit more with friends and everything. But uh, yeah, I, I don't regret that I, I stick with writing, stick to writing and uh, and decided to, to dedicate my time to that. Yeah, yeah, I think time well spent for sure. 
Yeah, and and the the other thing that uh, I think is very crucially important, especially if you if you want to be competing for for a long time. Uh, my first international competition was in two thousand seven uh, in in Flug, uh, which was a pretty pretty crazy event, and uh, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, what I want to say, so what's crucially important is taking care of your body. Uh, and not enough riders do that. Uh, you know, talking about warming up, talking about stretching, talking about uh, uh, supplemental training, uh, taking care of what you eat and everything. People are getting more and more uh, better with this. And I, I'm so happy to see, you know, everyone, every time when I'm at a unicycle event and I see people actually warming up before riding, I'm like, that's awesome. That's I, I'm yeah. so happy to see that. But still, uh, not enough people do that. And uh, I mean, it's it's not for everyone. And uh, and for sure, uh, it's it's only very very important if you if you want to be doing this sport for a long time. But uh, I like really trials is a really uh, demanding sport on your body. So uh, if if you want to be uh, want to be around for a long time, that you you better gonna you better start taking care of your body. Um, are there um, are there any other sports or any other um, sort of activities that you do um, to to help your riding? Yeah. So uh, during my university years, uh, my winter sport was basically uh, indoor climbing, which I, I really really liked, and uh, still today I, I do it. Well, in the past two years, I, I almost I, I think I haven't even been to a climbing gym also because of COVID. But uh, prior to that, I, I also kind of stopped doing that. But I think it's a great sport for uh, for trials. And uh, I also uh, discovered uh, yoga during my uh, university classes, which is awesome. Uh, I highly recommend uh, getting a little bit into yoga for, for everyone who wants to uh, improve their skills in, in unicycling. I think it's awesome. It's good for balance. It's good for uh, mobility, uh, strength uh, and everything. And uh, in recent years, I've gotten into uh, CrossFit a little bit. But it's, it's very important that I don't do CrossFit as a sport. Like, you know, many people, uh, they go to a CrossFit gym solely for the reason to, to get better at CrossFit. But for me, it's a bit different. Uh, I just use the CrossFit trainings as my trainings for, for unicycling. I actually go to a gym uh, where the head trainer is a guy who uh, who is a former bike trails rider. So it's it's super awesome. Uh, he exactly knows how to train for, uh, for trials and everything. So he usually modifies uh, the workouts a little bit for me uh, so that it's a uh, it's right a thing that uh, that I need for uh, like for example uh, explosiveness or, or strength or whatever and uh, I think it's an awesome sport uh, for trials especially uh, if you look at professional uh, training for sports uh, many times especially in the sports when you have to jump around a lot you will find that uh, you have to get into weightlifting a little bit and uh, I'm not saying that everyone has to um, has to do squats with 200 kilos because that's another thing. Like not everyone has to do that, but for me it really works and uh, it's it's super important. And I think it's it played a really important role uh, in you know keeping uh, 
keeping my body alive and uh, keeping my body capable of uh, handling trials. Yeah, yeah. Especially now you're in the uh, 30 plus category with me, Mark. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you don't have to worry because, uh, you know, the age groups have been modified. So now uh, it's up until 35. Oh, yeah. So next, by the time Unicorn 2022 comes around, I'll be out of your category again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, I'm sorry to say, Ed, but at some point I'll get there too. <laughs> one, Yeah, one day, one day you'll be able to come and steal my 30 plus crown. And Noli, don't forget about Noli. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, the only reason I got it in Korea was because it was in Korea and no one else wanted to go that far. <laughs> and that was one of the major driving factors for me to go. <laughs> no, what I mean is it's awesome that you got it. Like, it's 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 super cool. And I think it's it's very nice and motivating in uh, at Unicorn that we have these uh, different age groups. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it, it will be a little bit of time until I join your age group. But uh, yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, I'm I'm 31 uh, right now, and uh, to be fair, uh, I I don't feel any uh, you know deficit uh, of my age. I uh, in fact uh, in the past few years I I felt getting better and better. Like I I didn't feel like uh, okay yeah I'm just uh, doing everything. Uh, what I can to like condition my body. I, I really felt like I could improve and uh, and that I can still uh, be improving. So I'm I'm really looking forward uh, to what uh, the upcoming few years uh, will bring. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've obviously you because you've been competing for so long. You've seen the sport evolve a lot. Um, and how how different is it competing now compared to your first competition? Okay, um, so I, I think I will say the the two thousand seven flock uh, uh, trials competition. Like as I said, I was already uh, taking part of trials competitions, but only in Hungary uh, before that. And um, okay, so to be fair, uh, when I when I started the at the trials comp at flock. I had no idea about the trials rules, honestly. Like <laughs> I. Um, I was also riding a bike trials competition a few times uh, before that, so I was uh, aware of the bike trials rules, but I had no idea about the unicycle rules, and that's completely uh, my problem. Like, uh, I, I wasn't kind of prepared, but uh, I remember that uh, people told me that, okay, so there are easy, uh, medium, and kind of harder lines, uh, but at that point, uh, in 2007, all the lines, uh, you know, uh, counted the same one point and I did wow. not know that and for some reason I thought that if I will be doing uh, harder lines probably that will mean more, more points for me but I, like this was uh, you know not confirmed information I, I just started probably like that and uh, yeah so the competition started and I just you know threw myself at all the harder lines and everything and I, I had no idea what I was doing I mean, yeah, I, I had an idea what I was doing, but I had no idea about the, the rules and everything. So, uh, yeah, actually, that's a really important uh, uh, recommendation for everyone entering a competition. Be aware of the rules before you do it. <laughs> Probably you can get much better results. Um, I think everyone just dives in though i mean i certainly didn't know the rules of trials when i first entered my my first comp i just yeah. went and took part and 
at that point i don't think i really cared how well i did i just wanted to be part of it yeah exactly and it's it's super fun and that that's that's the most important part of it that you are having a good time and um actually uh flock already in 2007 that was a very well organized event like uh, already at that time uh, the course was built super nicely uh there were loads of pallets uh i think it's the most uh, pallets i've ever seen in my life at, at the same spot uh including wow. like pallet warehouses and stuff like they, they had <laughs> oh thousands and thousands of pallets it's crazy uh, if you check the videos uh from the event you will see it's it's awesome yeah so actually that event was not much different uh from from a child's competition that you would see now if you go to an euc or even a unicom probably uh things are a little bit more organized things are a bit more neat uh like for example now you know uh more uh, usually the spectators are kind of outside the trials area um so everything is is a tiny bit more handled but for example uh at the trials competition in 2008 uh in copenhagen at unicon uh they already had that like there was uh, it was in the middle of the road in uh, uh in in denmark and i remember that uh, they had uh like a designated area in the middle which only the riders and uh and the judges could go inside and everyone else had to stay on the sides so so yeah i, I would say that there haven't been like super big changes in the sports uh, obviously the courses are are getting a bit harder and uh, and they are getting a, a bit more challenging and everything but uh, in general it's it's not like uh fire and ice like uh, it's i would say it's uh, it's quite similar like if uh, if i would be dropped in in 2007 at that trials competition in in flock uh, i wouldn't be like oh wow like i'm i'm back in time like it's crazy like of course it would be awesome but i i wouldn't feel like you know i traveled back in the middle ages or something it was not that much different that's really interesting actually i i didn't i genuinely didn't know what your answer to that question was going to be um <laughs> But yeah, that's super interesting because uh, things like street and flat have evolved so much in that space of time um, and, and trials from, well, I guess from your point of view has stayed very much the same. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, there, there isn't, I would say that definitely, I mean, in 2007, yeah, at 2007 at Flock, there was already a street competition. But there yeah. was no flatland. Uh, I think the first flatland competition was later that year at the French Cup uh, at CFM. Uh, yeah. And also the following year, Unicorn had uh, flatland. And also, I think the first uh, street competition, the first uh, street competition at Unicorn was in 2006. So the year yeah, before. Yeah, it would have been the year before. Yeah, this yeah. flock when actually Xavier Colos uh, won uh, the street contest. So yeah, these were relatively new uh, disciplines. So obviously they, they had their time to kind of evolve. And you know, street is still evolving. Like just uh, just recently after last Unicorn, we had some quite big changes uh, in the street yeah. competition. Like uh, you you know, because you were a part of it, but actually we merged uh, slow style street and regular street. And uh, I think the result is great. We tested them at summary UC. So uh so yeah, uh, these disciplines evolved quite a bit, but uh, trials, I think from like, a, like an outsider, like a spectator point of view, it's not very different. Obviously the, the trials finals was a big addition. Uh, I remember they added it, 
I think after uh, 2010, yeah, I think uh, Brixton was the first Unicorn when we had uh, finals. Yeah. And uh, first I was like, oh, come on, it's like another round of trials. It's going to be so <laughs> crazy. Like you already destroy yourself in the qualification, which at that time is still called the trials competition. And then you still have to do a finals. It's going to be crazy. But uh, actually, trials is a great thing for the sport. I mean, the finals is a great thing for the sport. Uh, you see the best riders in like a focused environment, riding the hardest uh, courses. I think it's awesome uh, for uh, like like visually, it's, it it must be super good. And and that's a very big change uh, compared to to that time actually. And I mean, of course, if uh, if we compare. Uh, like a modern day trials competition to the comps that we had in Hungary, it's like 2006, then yeah, you will see a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> then, I don't know, we, we, we had uh, like a eliminator course set up from like, I don't know, maybe uh, 30 pallets and the car and a few logs and stuff, then yeah, that's, that's quite different. <laughs> like that, yeah. was, that was a bit basic, of course, but you know, we, we had to work with what we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah um on the on the trials finals thing um i i think from a yeah from a spectator point of view the finals are so good um i will never forget the tie break between you and eric in korea um i mean normally the finals is really loud people are shouting and cheering but then the tiebreaker between you and eric uh it was getting dark just to give some context to people that are listening it was getting dark um it was you were so um you were so close to each other that literally knew, no one could call it um and there was a tie break line and it was whoever could ride the furthest along this line um were there big tires on it for some reason i remember big tires um okay so in the beginning uh we had to like jump up like a a pallet stack and then we had to jump up to a skinny uh ride the skinny then jump forward to like a huge cable drum and then uh, land on another platform of pallets and then came that obstacle that uh, mr flensberium uh welded you know with the rails uh like yeah. that yeah and then after that uh there were uh the, the like the slanted pallets that you had to like do like a sidewall kind of thing and uh yeah, might have been some trials after uh, some tires after that. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I I'm not sure. Actually, we didn't get to that point. Uh, no. Yeah, I just remember the atmosphere. The the crowd was silent, which is super rare for a trials competition. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it was getting dark, so everyone took their phones out because there wasn't enough light for the for you guys to actually see what you were doing. Yep. Um, so. Everyone took out any lights they had, their phones, the torches, and everyone had to get super close to get the light onto the trials course. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was so intimate and it was so peaceful. It was like completely the opposite to a normal trials final. <laughs> um, and, and to me, I'll never forget that. Um, it was just a super nice ending to a competition, uh, especially for you, I guess, not for Eric, <laughs> who, who fell slightly... <laughs> slightly uh before you did <laughs> yeah just uh just before uh for the big cable drum yeah well yeah it was actually i i do have some uh some photos of of the comp uh, I, I let's see if i can send it here uh through uh skype I, i'm not sure i'm just try to uh, drag and drop it oh yeah 
I, I can just send it. Here's a photo uh, from from the event. This is already uh, past uh, the cable drum. Oh yeah, that sums it up for me. Oh yeah, and that was it. Uh, wow, when the you, phones. Yeah, yeah. You, when you guys passed an obstacle, the crowd had to move closer. To exactly, get, like... exactly. Actually, this was uh, like uh, Eric. Uh, unfortunately, fell uh, in front of uh, this cable drum. So at this point, I I went through the cable drum. So I already uh, kind of like won the competition. So yeah. yeah, that was obviously like a huge uh, pressure off uh, off my shoulders. So yeah, it was <laughs> much easier to uh, to continue after this. But actually, right right after this, I remember I jumped on those uh, on those railings and and I had a huge slam, like I nearly hit my face on it. Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy, so nice though. Yeah, really, really nice memory. Yeah, but I I remember actually both. Uh, Eric and I did uh, like I don't even know how many times we we uh, jumped up uh, the first skinny uh, yeah. like we did up down up down you know like a million times uh, just to get it perfectly because obviously it's a tiebreaker it's super tense uh, you have only got one go uh, you have to get as far as you can so we didn't risk it we uh, I don't know at least. I think we, we have jumped up and down like five or six times, both of us uh, to that skinny. So yeah, it was it was pretty pretty tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I can I use this for the thumbnail for this episode, Mark? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, yeah, this photo was uh, was taken by uh, uh, by a, a Danish guy. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure he will be okay with it. Uh, he he sent me these photos so I can use them. So that's all right. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing story as well. Um, I didn't think I had that many questions, but we're managing to like drag them out. This is good. <laughs> um, so you're, you, you were, you are an impact sponsored rider. I don't know what's happening with the impact team at the moment. Um, is there an impact team at the moment? Um, okay. So at the moment, uh, the impact team is, is like kind of, you know, like in the background right now with COVID, there are no competitions um, and uh, and there are no shows or anything. So, so yeah, this, it is a little bit silent at the moment, but yeah, there is, uh, there is an impact team. Uh, actually, I think even if, uh, if you go on the, on the website, uh, I will just uh, check the impact unicycles website. Uh, the factory and, team is still up. Yeah, yeah. I think the factory team is still up. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a uh, team Desmet uh mike uh eric and i if if i'm correct yeah i mean i looked at i did look at it the other day um i must admit i only read your one <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually I, I don't i don't see the team page uh on the website at the moment but uh maybe they've taken it down maybe um maybe so yeah yeah, the, i went direct yeah but you've, you've been involved with impact for a long time right since since the beginning since i thought so um how how did you get involved okay so uh i don't know if uh uh everyone in the listeners will be aware with uh yogi or who he is but uh yogi was a uh, was a french writer who i already said like his video was like my main source of inspiration uh to to unicycle trials and he's an awesome guy i i know him in person i i really really like him i i spent i've done a couple of trips with him and everything, including uh, the infamous uh, journey, which uh, 
Rafi made like a super cool video about it and everything. So yeah, Yogi, Yogi is like a very iconic uh, figure in, in unicycling. And uh, his name was kind of merged uh, together with Cox One. And as he was, he was uh, the product designer and brand manager uh, behind uh, Cox One. And um, yeah, basically he um, developed those unicycles and everything. And obviously when I got into riding at 2005, Cox One unicycles were, you know, like the best of the best. Uh, and everyone wanted, or at least in Hungary, everyone wanted uh, a Cox One unicycle. Uh, we were so uh, obsessed with that riding and everything. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, I met Yogi in 2007 at Flock. Uh, I, I remember I, I was already uh, so interested in the team and everything. And then later that, uh, that year, uh, Benny, Chris and I had, uh, had the honor to join the Cox One team. We were uh, part of the sponsor team on, uh, on Cox One. And uh, in 2008, uh, Yogi actually decided to, to leave the company uh he had some troubles with uh with the owner uh i don't really know the details about it uh but they they part ways uh and cox one continued with a different brand manager and yogi uh left cox and he founded uh addict unicycles and um that's why impact has the dd logo because the first name was uh, addict actually the first products including uh, pedals saddles, uh, frames and everything. They all had addict written on. I still have like pedals and, uh, and a seat cover at home that says addict. And, yeah, same. Uh, I bought one recently off eBay and it had an addict. Oh, that's cover. awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It's very good quality as well. And, uh, yeah, so he, he had a copyright issue where, with, a, a bike company. So he had to change the, the name from addict and he chose impact, but, uh, he already, uh, had like uh, the design for the cranks and everything which had, which had the DD logo. So he decided to, to keep the DD. Um, and that's, that's why that sums up uh, the answer to the question. Like a lot of people still ask it like, hey, why, why is uh, Impact Unicycles have the DD yeah. logo? Like that's why. Uh, I saw it's funny because I mean I know that we all know that um, so it's obvious why it's DD but I've seen it come up recently on the forum and in unicycle chat people are like what's the DD for and I yeah. saw a lot of people saying oh I thought it was pedals and things like this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's, it's interesting yeah so so that's why and then so Yogi uh, started this company in like uh, at the end of uh, 2008, he started planning it at the end of 2008. And uh, in like 2009, he was uh, kind of uh, working out uh, this this company and like how, how to do it and everything. And basically the official launch was uh, was in 2009 summer uh, at uh, uh, Boutier. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah. awesome very iconic trials place near uh, yeah, Paris. Yeah, really famous. Yeah, and, and that's where uh, there was like the team release and everything. And uh, yeah, so since basically that day, I'm, I'm part of the Impact team. So nice. yeah, it's been 12, 12 years this summer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a long, uh, long time to be involved with the brand. Um, do, you, do you get involved with like product design and things with your background in... in the the degree you have yeah actually uh, i i did uh so uh roger and and udc uh bought the company from uh from yogi 
in uh when was that 2011 or 12 i think, I think it was 11 yeah, yeah 2011 12 uh so they bought the company from from yogi and uh, they decided to uh, design a new frame uh impact already had their uh, gravity frame which uh had like this uh, round uh crown design which was obviously great for trials and uh, and a lot of street riders liked it too and then so uh, when they bought the company they they wanted to refresh the whole range and everything and uh, and they asked for my advice if if i have any uh feedback on the frame like how how to improve it and everything and uh, you know we started talking and uh, it turned out like hey i'm i'm an industrial designer i would be quite interested to to get involved a bit more in with the design and everything so uh, i ended up uh designing the frame and uh, actually, uh, we did uh, quite a few meetings with Roger and also Chris uh, Kovac was involved with it. Uh, we did a lot of brainstorming together and um, I, I did the final designs in 3D and, uh, and I prepared uh, all the files and, and models and everything. Uh, it was great because uh, so the, the legs are hydroformed, which uh, is a manufacturing technique when you form the tubes uh, with like high pressure oil. So basically you can get very interesting shapes. And um, so I, I, I had like a, a big playground to, to work on the, on the frames design. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super proud of it actually. Uh, the frames came out at 2014 summer. Uh, I think in, I saw the first one in real life and in Montreal at Unicorn. And yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, I still, still today I, I ride uh, one of these frames and uh, yeah, I couldn't be more proud about them actually. I, I really like them and, and I'm so happy to, to see these frames out in the market and, uh, and I'm so happy to see that other people like them too. That's, that's the best feeling, honestly. Yeah, I love them, man. I've had two. Uh, I still ride one on my 24. Awesome. And it is the best frame I've had for downhill by a long way. Nice. Um, it's so rigid. It's amazing. And um and uh, with the one that you uh, ride at the uh, moment, uh, Mark. Uh, so that's the uh, red one, um, and um, that's not a normal uh, build, is it? Uh, because you've got lots of uh, uh, custom parts t uh, to it, and people don't usually get those off websites like unicycle.com. Um, so what sort of setup have you got at the, um, uh, at the uh, moment? Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'll start with the frame. Uh, actually this is my third, uh, red frame. And, uh, this is the first one that's not powder coated. Uh, my first two red frames, I, I just took them to, uh, to like a powder coat workshop and, and I got them, uh, powder coated. They were like, uh, somewhat, uh, candy red you know with these uh, sparkling elements if they were beautiful i, I really like them but um uh, i i had the feeling that yeah I, I i would like to you know like one up uh that frame uh or those two frames that i had and uh, i decided to go for uh, anodizing and uh, i like of course i knew a thing or two about the process i i had to learn about it during my university years but still i i wasn't like completely aware of how is this happening and everything so i had to learn quite a bit about it which i i really enjoyed and um uh, yeah so i i had to 
I, I had a standard frame. Uh, I had to get uh, the basic color uh, sandblasted. Then I took it to a workshop and I got it polished. It was beautiful. It was like a mirror. Uh, actually, a lot of people told me that I should have not uh, anodized it. <laughs> right? I, I should have just kept it like uh, raw, polished. Left it yeah, polished. Yeah, exactly. It, it did look beautiful, but uh, I like obviously I gotta have a rep frame. So so yeah, and then I took it to a workshop, and uh, wow, I, I got it anodized, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So so that's the frame, uh, and then let's start with let's continue with uh, with the saddle. Uh, so I have uh, an axle uh, carbon base, which uh, had the regular bolts. So uh, so I had to just put uh, the nuts from the bottom, and I actually switched them on. So now I I put the bolts uh, from the bottom, but I didn't did not do it the way how most people do it. So I didn't just use epoxy and and put T nuts in my base. Uh, actually, Axel helped me uh, quite a bit with it. So uh, I got uh, the standard bolts uh, that usually stick out from the saddle. We cut down the piece that has the thread and then uh, we drilled them and then put a thread in that. Uh, so it's a pretty nice and clean uh, solution. And uh, I have uh, beautiful uh, rainbow titanium bolts on my saddle. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So pimp. Uh, I, have, uh, I have my own uh, custom seat cover. Uh, with, of course, a Viva Trial logo uh, on the top. Um, just a small note about uh, my back bumper. I like to cut it a bit more narrow uh, because uh, with the original bumper, uh, which obviously protects uh, the seat quite a bit more than mine, uh, like mine is definitely not like heavy street riding compatible when you bash your uni a lot on the ground. Uh, that's not so cool. But uh, for me, you know, I I usually take quite good care of my uni. I even when I fall, I try to catch my uni so that it doesn't hit the ground so heavy and everything. So uh, so I cut it a little bit more narrow so that it doesn't uh, scratch my my inner thighs so much. Um, at the moment, I I have an impact seat post, uh, but I also have a titanium seat post uh, which I got in two thousand eight. It was a prototype from Cox One. And uh, I had to get it rewelded twice because uh, I, I broke it twice already. But a huge, huge advantage of titanium is that uh, you can reweld it, and it's uh, it's still gotta work. Uh, I have I have a, a Thomson uh, seat clamp, which is uh, is like a mountain bike company. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of unicycle riders. Uh, use Thompson parts, except those who has the Scott Wallace uh, basis because they use usually the Thompson seat post. Yeah. I have an uh, impact titanium hub, the one with the bigger flanges. And uh, I use an impact rim, the standard impact rim, except uh, that I drilled it myself. Uh, I, have to use, I, I will have to drill a new one soon because uh, my current one is, is getting a bit too old and it's uh, cracked at a lot of places, but it's it's four years old actually, so that's pretty impressive for the rim. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Cr I, I was super impressed actually, but uh, I, I'll have to get a new one soon, so uh, I will have to drill it again. And uh, yeah, I use uh, Chris Holm Spirit cranks, which uh, a lot of people ask me why why I use these cranks, and uh, I have two reasons actually. The biggest one is the Q factor. Uh, you don't find a lot of unicycle cranks with a Q factor, 
And actually, most people, including trials riders, uh, prefer zero Q factor. And I did prefer it for a long time too. But uh, then I, I tried uh, these cranks. Actually, it was right before uh, Unicorn in Montreal. And I just realized that if I use these cranks, I basically stand in a bigger stance on the unicycle, which is much more stable. And I find it like so much more efficient for trials, uh, especially when, for example, you jump uh, on like a skinny uh, front or something, you, you jump, you, you're in a bigger stance, you're more stable. Uh, it's so much easier to keep your balance. Um, yeah, I, and I use uh, uh, Inspired uh, platform pedals. That's uh, like a street trials brand and a standard uh, Monty Pro Race tire. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. Oh, and like a super fat inner tube. I, I use uh, like a Kanda four inches uh, downhill inner tube, uh, super yeah. heavy. It's like half a kilo, but uh, it's just so, so much more um, uh, reliable for me. I still get flat tires sometimes, but uh, I, I actually prefer to have a uni that I can trust uh, than a uni that's super light, but I know that can break any moment. So so yeah, this this is like like a heavy duty unicycle. It's not the lightest one. It's about uh, four point four kilos. Still pretty good weight, I would say, uh, but not the lightest one, definitely. Uh, so yeah, this the choice with the Unitube is really that uh, I I just trust it so much more than than the regular ones. Yeah, I, I remember when you asked me to order a couple for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, they arrived in the post, and I was like, "There's no way this is just two Unitubes." And it was like massive boxes. They are huge. <laughs> yeah, the, actually, okay, I think uh, Kanda. It's like a cereal box. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> actually, they they did have like a marketing thing with the boxes because in all honesty, the inner tube would fit in like a half a big box. But I think they yeah. wanted to have these, like really the first time when I got it, I had the same feeling. I like, okay, are there five inner tubes in that box? Like what is happening yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Good tubes, though. I only know one person that can consistently put punctures in those, and it's Nat Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> he just rides so heavy uh, that I've seen him fit one of those tubes and instantly pinch flat on the first oh, thing he jumped off. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. But, yeah, that's quite an achievement. If you've ever seen those tubes, you know that they are oh, yeah. chunky. Um. Oh, that's cool, man. That's cool to hear about... Uh, because I was gonna, I was gonna ask you if you have like a competition set up and just a, an everyday set up. Oh yeah, well actually talking about that, I I do have, uh, but the only thing I change for competitions is my pedals. Uh, so as I said, I use uh, Inspire platforms, which I use for like eighty percent of my riding. Uh, I use it for everyday riding, uh, even for some competitions. Uh, I use that pedal, um, and. Usually I like to ride without shin pads and uh, those pedals I'm, I'm comfortable riding without shin pads. But uh, for like serious competitions, uh, I like to use uh, sets of pedals that I got from my friend uh, Adam Gersha. Uh, it's a pair of uh, HD uh, pedals. Uh, they are obviously red anodized, so they are beautiful. And they have huge, huge pins uh, and it's like so much grip, it's crazy. But uh, I don't use that for everyday riding for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them is because I don't want to destroy them, uh, a bit like riding on concrete and everything. And uh, I can I 
well, I could ride them without shin pads. And actually, Ade, he rides them without shin pads. I have no idea how, because if you, like, <laughs> hit your shin on those pedals, that's great. Your legs go in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I'm not daring that. I always ride those pedals with shin pads. And, um, and uh, yeah, the other thing is it also destroys uh, your shoes quite quickly. So for, like, regular training, I, I prefer uh, the Inspired with some shorter pins. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you've had, sorry, this is a, such an abrupt change of topic. I can't think of a smooth transition. Um, you've had quite a few big video projects. You, a, a lot of riders tend to do like a video, they'll collect clips together uh, and they'll release a video maybe a couple of times a year or maybe once a year. Um, uh, without real, any real planning or thought into it. Um, but you've had quite a few big video projects and they always seem really carefully planned and considered. Um, so you've done a couple of projects with Cinco. I think yeah. I think one of the first videos I ever saw of you was 4AM Forever, oh, yeah. if anyone remembers <laughs> that. Uh, a bit of un unfortunate music choice now, um, but <laughs> I watched it the other day and it's not aged well. Um, and and this fire with Cinco as well. Oh, was that yeah. with Cinco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was our and last then obviously video with Cinco. The, yeah. Um, and then obviously the, the Viva El Trial series. Yep. Um and and I mean they always seemed they always seemed planned and really thought out. Is that the case? Do you do you just go out shooting and see what happens or do you plan them? Okay, so uh the first video uh, I had with Cinco was called Fancy. Uh, actually, I can send you the links and we can put this in the description so so people yeah, can watch it if they want. Really cool. uh, so Fancy was actually shot in that bike trail park, which I referred earlier, where I would spend all my afternoons. And I actually, uh, I met uh, the Cinco guys, uh, Jim and uh, and Marcy at that place. And uh, so yeah, the f first ever video we made together was completely random. Uh, we were just hanging out, get some clips, and uh, Jim put together a video about it. On the note, uh, I would say that Jim was always like, you know, super careful with videos and he has uh, an excellent eye to like editing and filming and everything. So, so he would always be super careful and he would always put like a great amount of, uh, of uh, dedication to these videos. So even if it felt random to us, probably Jim was, you know, thinking about all the things and everything, like how, how it will work out. And then, uh, the, the second video was, uh, as you referred, 4AM Forever, which uh, we filmed in 2006. And uh, actually for that video, uh, Jim decided to have like a concept. Um, so we were filming uh, all clips during the night in Budapest. Uh, I remember we started filming at like midnight and, and stuff. It was super nice. And um, I would say that, that uh, being involved in that project and a kind of a young age I was uh, I was 16 at the time uh, which I mean for me it was relatively young to be involved in that uh, so whatever so that kind of you know set the direction to me into uh, making proper videos uh, like uh, just to see how Jim worked out the angles and how he was thinking about the whole progress and the concept and everything I, I really enjoyed that and and also the outcome was amazing uh, I was very happy to to see that. So uh, later on, when I when I started working uh, on my own video projects, uh, unfortunately without Jim, 
then uh, I I still had this uh, view on on the videos and I on this view on the concept that uh, yeah I, I gotta be uh, very detailed and uh, and very uh, consequent about uh, the pictures and the spots and the writing and everything and uh, so yeah we we also made the Zen Junkie which uh, is one of my favorite videos that we made together with Jim it's uh, we made it in 2007 and early 2008 it's a strictly trials uh, dedicated video I really like it and then yeah later uh, we we had this fire which was a huge huge project and uh, yeah, for this fire, we had like a lot of random things as well. Like, uh, obviously, we filmed like two and a half years for that video. Uh, it's 18 minutes long, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, obviously, there was a lot of uh, lot of jokes, a lot of uh, filming sessions that ended up, you know, like uh, just hanging out and stuff or the other way around, whatever. But yeah, let yet uh, Jim managed to, to put an outcome that it was like... Uh, so so put together and and so uh dialed and everything so that's that's just jim style really and then uh with the viva trial movies uh i already had this uh this thing that yeah i just i, I really like this process of uh, like properly planning a video and uh, and then uh you know like think about the spot think about the music and everything i also watched uh, a lot of uh podcasts and and other videos about like for example danny mccaskill talking about his videos i even read his book and uh i just i just really like that process of putting together these these videos so so that was another source of motivation for me uh to like have this uh, detailed plan for revival trial of one and also two uh, Actually, Viva Trial 2 uh, was uh, filmed, uh, the whole thing was filmed in Barcelona. And I started collecting spots like, I think a year uh, before we, we went on the trip. Uh, I have a friend, uh, a bike trail rider who lives in Barcelona. And uh, we had like a, like a Google Maps uh, uh together and uh, I would send him the links from videos like hey wow I really like this spot can you please point it on the map and then he would just send me the link for the map so actually uh, by the time our plane landed in Barcelona I had like a complete layout of plan of like a spot map exactly exactly wow. and uh, I actually even made uh, like a schedule for ourselves like I was grouping the spots like okay so on Monday we're gonna go to this and that spot and then we will discover that area because I think there might be some other spots there so it was completely scheduled and um, obviously my friend uh, Laszlo uh, was taking care of uh, of the imagery and everything else, which is great because I'm super interested in photography and uh, and video making, but uh, I just don't really have uh, the knowledge of that, or at least not on not on the level that he has or some of uh, my other friends who I uh, worked with. So yeah, he he was taking care of that, which is great, and uh, yeah, we just put it together, and then we by trial came out. That's cool. When you're when you're working on these videos, um, do you get involved in the edit? Uh, yeah, actually, yes, we do. So, uh, back in, like, of course, I I also like uh, making, let's say, uh, smaller videos when I just uh, throw together a bunch of clips. But somehow, in the end, I always uh, find myself. Uh, okay, well, no, I I should have planned it a little bit better, and I should have done it like this and that. So usually, I'm like, yeah, I I uh, I just limit 
limit myself to uh, to bigger video projects and uh, and uh, usually when when we start filming we already know what the music is going to be and uh, yeah. many spots and uh, many clips we already film like okay we know that this jump is going to be at this part of the music and it will go on this drop or whatever uh, so yeah in, in that way I'm, I'm also part of the editing as well that's really interesting you say that because I have a Google Doc. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I have a Google Doc with about 10 video ideas uh, and I know exactly which music track goes to each one. Um, and I know exactly, or I know not exactly, but roughly what kind of trick or, or clip I want at, uh, at certain points in those music tracks. Right. Um, or what? Or what the feel of the video I want to be at that point in the track. Um, I just. I mean, I have so many riders at my fingertips. I think I just don't have that same drive that like Cinco does to go out and make the films. <laughs> yeah, but I've got like a Google Doc with yeah at least ten video ideas with the music already planned out and everything. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> awesome. Actually, for me, I I like to have uh, my sketchbook. And I, I usually have my videos uh, sketched in, in these. And also I, I write down the spots and everything. I also have a spot list on my phone, uh, on my Google Maps and everything. Like whenever uh, I'm in the city, I'm at like a new part I haven't been to yet. Uh, I like to, you know, it's the rider's eye. You always keep looking for spots. And when I see something, oh, yeah, this, this could be nice for a video project. And uh, yeah, sooner or later, uh, uh, usually I... I, I go to those spots and, and get some things filmed. Nice. How do you find shooting over such a long period of time? Um, how do you find you cope with, because usually when I, if I ever start trying to film a video of my own riding, I will start collecting clips. I'll put them on a hard drive and forget about them for a year. And then I'll think, okay, I need to finish that video. I'll come back and I'll be like, I can do so much better than that now. And I just chuck everything out. And then I ha I'm starting from zero again, and then I repeat that process. <laughs> um, how do you cope with filming over such a long period of time? And I guess if you if you've got people editing uh, with you, does that help that process of like not feeling like the old footage is as good as the new footage? Or how how do you feel? How do you cope with that? Um, sometimes I have this feeling that uh, yeah, I, I I could have done this better. Or uh, even after some time, I, I feel like, yeah, like we're still in this video project and, and probably I could do this a little bit nicer or not. But uh, most of the stuff that we film, like, okay, uh, usually uh, for me, many times it takes a lot of patience to film something. Like many times I, I will have like hundreds of run-ups because I like to, I like to uh, land things perfectly. And I like uh, when the line has the rhythm, the flow and everything. And uh, I just like it when, uh, when it all works out. So yeah, sometimes it's, it's going to take, I don't know, two hours of filming, just, uh, just the same shot. And uh, most of these times when I finally get the line the way I want it, I'm like, okay, this is probably the best I could ever do this line and I'll be happy with it even like a year after. But uh, this this uh, doesn't apply all the time. But uh, I always, uh, or not always, but I also have to accept that, uh, you know, sometimes I just uh, I just have to go with, uh, with what I have. I mean, usually when we are filming, I like to max it out. 
uh, I mean, if, of course, it also depends on the project. If it's like just, you know, like a quick clip for like an Insta story or even just an Insta post, I will have a different uh, quality management uh, for that <laughs> than if it goes to the next uh, Viva trial video. But uh, if it goes to a big video, uh, I usually, even if I land the line, I will be like, oh, okay, no, I had an extra hop. I don't like it. Let's film it again. So I, I like to go uh, full throttle on that. And uh, once I go to a spot, I will be like, also when uh, I really like to work with Laszlo, uh, my friend who, who we uh, produced both uh, Viva Trial films, because he's super patient and uh, he is, uh, he really understands that uh, like these videos are very important for me. And uh, he's not going to tell me like, okay, well, you already did this like two times. So why don't we just stick to one of those and then we can go to the next spot. Um, I, I like to be a little bit of a perfectionist uh, when it comes to this. Uh, I don't mind if I have to film the same line over and over again. Uh, I want to walk away from the spot that I have the clip uh, in our pocket that uh, that I wanted. Nice. That that must help loads. Um, you you always create a bit of a brand around the videos. Um, is that is that intentional? I mean, you you got seat covers and stickers and t-shirts. Um, is that just something that happened organically or do you kind of plan that at the same time as the videos? Um, well, it, it did happen organically. Like I, I, and actually it's, it's still, I mean, even though I, I like to communicate it somewhat as a brand, it's still not officially a brand. I mean, I, I did like uh, one or two runs of t-shirts and I do have some stickers, which I usually, uh, hand out to people and stuff. Uh, actually right now, I'm uh, I'm working uh, on a set of T-shirts, which I, I hope uh, that they will land uh, sometime this summer uh, soon. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I have million plans on my mind, and uh, I would definitely want We uh, Wild Trial to evolve into a brand. Uh, but uh, to be honest, filming the the next uh, episode of the of the video is more important than than making it into a brand. So. So yeah, uh, that's uh, more in my focus. But uh, actually, right now I was out for a couple of months uh, due to an injury, uh, which uh, gave me quite a bit of time to to work on these things. So actually, now uh, I have a lot of uh, interesting things uh, coming up, and uh, yeah, I hope people will like it. Like a lot of people were asking me about t-shirts and uh, and hoodies and and stuff. So uh, and uh, and I would like to 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 uh, to make we will try all more into a, a brand or so 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 yeah keep keep your eyes open for uh for the couple of months <laughs> wicked i really i really like the the kind of the buzz that's around by it by doing a little bit of that merch uh it just makes something more of the videos i think um and it, and it really kind of like makes a bit of an event of it. I really like it. Every time I'm in Copenhagen, I have to make my pilgrimage to the V-Roll trial <laughs> sticker on the, the little thing near the bridge. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still awesome. there. Awesome. It was last time I was there. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, there's, a... there's, there's now an STFU sticker right next to it. I know. I know. <laughs> I actually, I, uh, I will have to uh, pilgrimage there and, and to, to look at both uh, stickers together. That's going to be so much fun uh, when I can do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, there's a bridge uh, close to a city park uh, where I lived and where I where we also filmed a lot of things for VWR Trial. And usually every time I'm there, I'm going to put a sticker on that bridge. But within like one or two weeks, it's always gone. So... Oh, no. 
<laughs> yeah, I always have to um, put a new one on. Yeah, you just have to keep going. Exactly. Keep doing it until they get bored of taking them Yeah, off. it's an endurance competition, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day they'll, they'll get sick of it and they'll just leave it. <laughs> Nice. Well, Mark, that's that's all the questions I have for you. Um, I, I didn't have super long to prepare for this, um, but those were the questions that I could think of. Um, but thanks for talking to us. Um, it's been super interesting. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed uh, this conversation, and thanks a lot for for involving me. It was. Uh, Especially now that you know we we have to miss uh, a lot of events and everything, we don't get as much uh, community time. Uh, it was it was really enjoyable for me to to uh, have this conversation with you guys. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, we usually do a piece after the guest section where it's just kind of like a general conversation between all of us, uh, and we always invite our guests to join in if you're if you're up for it. Definitely, I would love to. Um, so I've only got a couple of things on this month um, because, well, not a lot has been going on. <laughs> um, obviously, COVID has kind of put pay to a lot of events. Um, well, all unicycle events. Um, and in the UK, uh, the COVID restrictions have just eased again. Uh, they're slowly t uh, easing off the restrictions a little bit at a time. Um, and now we're allowed groups of up to 30 people. Um, so we're going to start STFU rides again. I'm not sure if I'll get time to edit this before the STFU ride, but it's this, this coming Saturday. Um, so I'm super stoked to be starting the STFU rides again. Um, but with these events starting to happen again, um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. And, and Gareth mentioned a little bit about this before we started recording. And I was like, no, 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 don't say anything. We need to wait until we're like, we need the, the fresh conversation about this needs to be while we're recording. Um, so it'd be interesting to actually talk about this now, Gareth. Um, and I, I'll just throw the question out there. Do you, do you think that we're going to have a surge in people attending events? Because I know, at least in the UK, there's a lot of new riders that have learned during lockdown. Um, and I, I think there's like, one of two things could happen. We could either have loads of people coming to events because they're just desperate to do something. Um, or people might be a bit nervous to attend events. Do you, like what? What do you guys think? Yeah, like I was um, thinking um, earlier that perhaps in the first couple of rides there will, will be quite a lot of people, but perhaps maybe the people who have been on rides in the past. Um, New riders, I'm not so sure about uh, just yet, um, because I think maybe it's kind of out of their uh, comfort zone a bit. So perhaps they may want to 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 um, to uh, learn a bit more first. Um, but yeah, like of course it's a huge thing, and um, suddenly we can do the group uh, rides again. Um, so I think people will be really keen to uh, go out there and to start to ride. And I think that the lockdown events, uh, such as the ones that the the uh, you, you, you have uh, held, um, I think that they've kept people in touch with riding. So I think that's definitely really helps. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't agree with, with you guys more. I, I think a lot of people I really... Uh, eager to to go out and and attend some events and group rides and to basically just see other riders 
Uh, especially that uh, I know that a lot of uh, new riders appeared in the UK. Like Roger told me that they basically sold everything. Uh, so there must yeah. be a lot of new people who just got into unicycling, who probably haven't really ridden with other riders before. So I'm, I'm sure that a lot of them will be super interested in, uh, in joining the STFU rides and, and get to meet uh, fellow unicyclists for the first time. Yeah, actually, there's uh, the guy that helped me organize the GKB appeal, um, Tom Beasley. He uh, was a new rider, um, never met any, well, as far as I know, hadn't really met any unicyclists before, definitely wasn't involved in the community. Um, and he went along to uh, a Southampton ride, which is reasonably close to where he lives. Um, and from that point on, like he's been the one on the South Coast organizing unicycle rides. Like he absolutely loved the first ride he went to and he, he's been organizing loads. Like there's one every couple of weeks I see now. Wow. Um, so yeah, I guess like once you get hooked in, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> once we've got you. <laughs> oh yeah. Wrote for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Pete, you said there's been loads of people attending the Midlands. The Muni scene has been buzzing. I was going to say, we've had a ride pretty much every other week. We've been popping off in, in with Canuck and sort of like the uh, people in the Birmingham area. Say I've the, gone, cheese and, we've had, we've the cheese gone, and bacon rides. Cheese and bacon rides. Oh, yeah, it's sort of like a, a, a staple of those rides now. Is you've always got to have, you've got to have bacon or sausages or, or vegetarian alternatives. Uh, I was going to say, not very They're very much social orientated <laughs> rides because they're almost solely people who've picked up during lockdown. It's oh, like, wow. um, I was going to say, I, th I think I'm the, I'm the only person who comes to mind who, who rode before lockdown. There was a couple of people who were getting involved who've sort of ridden previously but and picked it up again during lockdown. But it's, it's all new riders, which is great to see. Well, that's really yeah, good that's... because, uh, like, I guess you might see the same thing at the STFU rides. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I've had a couple of people send me a message asking about the STFU rides who who I don't know and I've never heard of before. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll get loads of new people. That'd be really good. Uh, but I, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. I think it's definitely going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, I think I... a good indicator possibly could be the Derby ride from last year. How long ago was that now? Because it feels like it was only last month, but I know it was, it was probably ages ago now. Uh, it was 2018, Derby. No, not not <laughs> Derby, month. sorry, I'm the Trials part. Oh, Derbyshire. Derbyshire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, November last year, yeah. Yeah, actually, I one interesting thing, at least in Hungary, but... I think it also appeals to you guys that um, we also sometimes organize these uh, these group rides, and actually, I, I would like to do it in the future too. Uh, seeing how successful the the STFU movement is in the UK, uh, I would really like to uh, you know pump some blood in the veins of the Hungarian unicycle uh, community as well. So I I also have some plans uh, like that, and uh, when I organize an event or even just a convention. Uh, I plan to, to do the Hungarian Championship and convention as well uh, this year again. And I would get a lot of questions from people like, hey, I just got into riding. I, I barely know how to ride. Am I allowed to come? And I'm like, wow, are, are you serious? Like, like there is no like, we're going to send you away if you cannot jump at least five pallets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't work like that. But I think it's really important uh, to tell people that, yeah, basically everyone is welcome. Even if, if, if you haven't even sat on a unicycle before, but if you're eager to try, wow, come and join us. You will you will love it. And 
come to the world championships it, even, <laughs> yeah like you know there are lots of friendly folks for sure uh, they will help you um have your uh, first steps uh, on a unicycle and stuff so uh i think that's one of the advantages of the unicycle community which in my opinion is uh is uh is super welcoming and and supportive and uh yeah so that's just one thing that i wanted to say that uh in hungary when we organize an event like this like in similar to an sdfu right we would get a lot of questions that okay can can i come am i allowed to come uh and join you guys on on this street ride or something and i would be like of course yeah yeah we we get that a lot as well um it's something that really really frustrates me um and i don't know whether where it comes from maybe it comes from like mountain biking uh where there's like certain entry requirements for for events um or, or other sports that have sort of like entry requirements um but yeah we get a lot of questions especially with the the stfu event um people are like oh I, i've only just started riding trials i can only jump like two pallets like can i am i allowed to come and it's like of course of course you are like everyone can come exactly um i really i really sometimes i despair uh, with when i get questions like that um but then i always have to remember that uh just the fact that we do welcome those kind of like people that are at that stage of their riding career with open arms makes me like realize what special community we actually have yeah exactly um, and actually, this ties in slightly with the next topic I wanted to talk about, because um, I, I don't know how many people here uh, listen to Phil's Unicast. Uh, shout out to the other Unicycle podcasts. Um, so Phil had Eva uh, Christensen on um, not the last podcast, but the last but one um, at this point in time anyway. Uh, and they were talking about competitions versus conventions. Um and Ivar put it art versus sport, which I thought was a super interesting conversation. Um, Phil started off by saying he wanted to see new types of competition. Um, but then Ivar said that he thinks unicycling uh, sometimes can be stuck with the idea that it should be a sport when actually um, originally, obviously, it was a circus art. Um, and he was saying that maybe uh competitions and obviously unicorn is supposed to be the world championships and convention um whereas uh he was saying that maybe events need to have more of a convention focus than a competition focus um and maybe that would be more inclusive for the the, the group of people we were just talking about who aren't sure whether they are allowed to to attend an event um what would you guys because i when i used to attend buc when the british unicycle convention was still a thing um and when i i i was really focused on going and attending to compete in the in the trials comp because that was my thing that's what i wanted to do and i wanted to compete but when i go to a convention now or, or an event now um i mostly want to go to see my friends and have fun and the competing is kind of a secondary thing and yes i enjoy competing now um and and that is part of the fun um and because i don't take it as seriously as i used to um but i think i would actually enjoy the convention uh, element of an event now more than i would have when i was really serious into competing 
Um, but what do you guys think about having a more convent? Maybe you do think Unicorn is convention focused. I, I don't. I think the last workshop I took part in at Unicorn was the Muni workshop in San Sebastian. And since then, I don't think I've even heard of having workshops at Unicorn. Yeah, like I think it's a difficult one because I think that you would always need some kind of competition because it's because it's essentially the the um it's the world uh uh championships um so you would always need that kind of aspect i think um and perhaps some events might uh break away like i think that you spoke about this in previous uh podcasts um but i really like uh the the uh, convention um, side of things as well. Like I really like to go to, to the events to to see my friends and to have a good time and to meet uh, uh, more friends as well. Because like I think everyone who rides has a similar kind of uh, a similar kind of uh, mindset, and it would be a shame to lose both the competition and the uh, convention side of things. So perhaps there's some kind of way that they can equally remain within the presence of the future competitions. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if Unicorn has lost its convention focus. Um, I don't know if they were alluding to the fact that they that uh, Phil and Eva thought that it lost the convention focus, but I certainly can't remember i mean maybe i just don't pay attention to that side of the event as much uh, and maybe that's my that maybe that's to my detriment that i don't go out and seek the workshops that are happening what what's your experience of the convention side of unicorn mark um so in my opinion i i agree that it's really important to have conventions and well as well and uh for instance when i last organized the the hungarian championship it was also championship and convention it was in 2019 and um, yeah I, I also made sure that uh, I had some events that are actually dedicated for the people who are not there for competing but just there for the convention part so I made some fun competitions uh, just some uh, general riding time and everything and uh, and yeah I think that also applies to to Unicon I mean even in Korea, we had loads of workshops and uh, and everything. Not only unicycle related, like there were even like language workshops, etc. So uh, I think there is there is still a, uh, a strong convention uh, uh, aspect to it. And just uh, if you think about like how much like the urban riders all the time ride together during the whole time of Unicon, like that's already brings the the convention uh, spirit. I think. I mean. Uh, if you if you think about it, basically every day uh, you wake up and yeah, you will maybe have a competition. Uh, but most of the time, especially, let's see it. For example, from a point of view of a rider who is just there to ride the flatland and the street competition and maybe trials for fun, uh, then you will have a lot of time uh, to ride with your friends, play a lot of uh, out the game uh, and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I I I wouldn't say that it it has lost uh, the the convention uh feeling of it uh but of course it's i mean as garrett said i also think it's important to to not 
forget uh, the focus on, on the competition part. I mean, after all, it's the pro championship of unicycling. And uh, if we want to take uh, other people, uh, if, if we want other people to take ourselves seriously, then also we are going to take ourselves seriously and, uh, you know, uh, put like a proper world championship on the table. So I think it's really important to, to have the focus on the competition and everything. But since uh, Unicon is actually, that's another thing that I really love about unicycling, just uh, having Unicon uh, is awesome, I think, to have like all the disciplines having the world championship at the same time at the same place and bringing all those people together. You don't see that in a lot of other sports. And, uh, and I think that's, that's something super cool. I, I know uh, there are some ideas to like divide Unicon into like sub world championships to have like an urban world championship and like a separate track and field and Muni and everything. Um, for sure, that would be more efficient uh, on on a lot of uh, points of view. But uh, from from uh, like the complete experience uh, point of view, I think it's amazing and, and just beautiful to, to have that uh, event together. Like you will meet riders that you would for sure not meet anywhere else. Um, and, uh, and it's just great. So, so yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have this feeling that Unicon has left anything from its uh, convention part. Obviously, I haven't been there at the first Unicon or something. My first Unicon was in 2008 in, uh, in uh, in Denmark, Copenhagen, and um, yeah, for sure. If you think about the Unicorn in Montreal, which a lot of urban riders uh, will uh, you know tell stories about and everything, there was this uh, so-called social area in the bottom of the of the college, which was awesome. There was like a small party there almost every night. Um, yeah, that was that was that was pretty cool. But I mean, also in Korea, we had the tent, which basically functioned as like a uh, as like this uh, social center for uh, for every night, so uh, so yeah, I, I I don't I wouldn't say that it, it has lost anything from it. Well, in in two thousand eight in uh, in Denmark, I remember there was like a computer corner where uh, there were uh, computers with internet access where you can just sit down and you know type some emails and stuff. Uh, we don't have that at Unicons now, you know maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's possibly dangerous to have at unicorn now <laughs> yeah <laughs> free access to the internet um you know, well, i guess everyone's got that on their phone anyway but yeah on public computers it's a different matter isn't yeah it? so summing it up yeah i i wouldn't say that it like compared to my experience in 2008 and to the last unicorn i've been to in 2018 uh well it's just 10 years apart uh i wouldn't say that uh, it lost anything from uh, from the convention part we have the parade, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we have a lot of workshops. We have a lot of uh, time with uh, with the guys and everything. Uh, for sure, what adds a lot uh, to its uh, spirit if uh, the riders have the accommodation at more or less the same area. Uh, that's for sure uh, adds yeah. a lot to it. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, like you said, Mark, um, the riders kind of do their own thing from a convention as uh, side of things like they so thinking back to previous unicorns um what i've experienced is for those people who don't know the the other riders they just practice on their own until they 
sees someone else practicing and then they practice uh, together um, and then you just start to get to uh, know each other and then you go on your own rides and your own uh, practice uh, sessions and for the for the um, for the urban riders um, what's uh, happened in in the past is there would be like a ride in the city um and sometimes a sunrise uh ride um like i remember in sans so uh Pastion, i think it was uh the sunrise ride um and that was really good and it was nice to see the um sunrise uh that early um and of course we were all probably feeling very tired from the previous day <laughs> but it was so nice to kind of have that experience um also in montreal i think it was when we did a big city ride with loads of urban riders uh and that was so good that was massive um, yeah like really great stuff and it's those sorts of things that make the convention side of things oh, yeah. uh, where where people just kind of take control and they just chill out with their friends yeah i i remember uh emil was uh guiding us uh through montreal like the best spots and everything and it was such a massive group of people just uh just to get moving from one spot to another it literally take like 40 minutes uh, to, to like, just to get started because, you know, everyone was like still riding. And then I remember Emil was like gathering us around like, okay, guys, let's go. We're going to go to an even better place like this. And then at the end of the day, we went up to, uh, Montreal to like the mountain, uh, above, uh, Montreal and wow, it was, it was an amazing day. And, uh, yeah, cheers, cheers to Emil for, uh, for doing that. Actually, it was an awesome, uh, city ride and everything. It must have not been easy to handle that many people. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I heard him recently on his podcast talking about that ride and uh, about his experience of trying to herd that many unicyclists around the city. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was it was so worth it. I think it was the biggest street ride I, I've ever been to, honestly. Amazing. Um, and Pete, you haven't really been to... You haven't been to a Unicon, so... I've not, no. Grenoble's... Well, was and was... Sh- should have been and will be my first one <laughs> hopefully nice maybe we can revisit this conversation uh, after you've experienced that then that might be an interesting conversation to pick up <laughs> from a from a newbie's perspective yeah that, that could be a interesting time capsule to like ask him what is he expects having from unicorn and then once you have been to unicorn to listen to it like what were uh, his expectations contrary to his experience yeah so, so what are you expecting from Unicomp, Pete, if anything? I mean, my look to go into it is I'm, I'm personally not that interested by sort of competitive aspects. I just like meeting other people, other riders. So I was sort of looking at it from a convention aspect and hearing what people talk about, especially Montreal. It, it, it appears to be such a legend. When it's people talk about it, it seems, sounds like such a legendary Unicorn. Obviously, at that time, I, I, I wasn't even riding at that time. But just hearing other people talking about it as if well yeah it's a thing to behold i think no matter how the convention's organized and whether it's considered um a, a massive success or um like a bit of a an off year by like 
one group of people or another i think no matter what it's like um people will always remember their first one and have really fond memories of it um my first unicorn was uh brixen in 2012 um and a lot of urban riders always say like oh it wasn't that great uh the trials floor was ridiculously slippy the flatland was held on a tennis court the street was in a tiny little skate park on the roof of a building uh, and it was super rampy so there was not a lot for unicycles to ride uh, but i still had an amazing time um and i still hold that in really high regard and i still have really fond memories from it even though all we did really was sleep in our van in the car park and go to club max every night and <laughs> um, i didn't actually take part in the convention side of it that much because i was just too wrapped up in like the voodoo stuff and we were just in our own little group uh, but i still hold that convention with yeah really really fond memories and so i i think like no matter how it runs from like an organization point of view um, whether it's like a bit chaotic and stuff is not quite as good as it could be uh, or not, I think you're, you're just going to have a banging time. It's the first unicorn. to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah there's, think, been, there's been um, unicorns since then that I've thought, okay, that one wasn't quite as good as this one and, uh, yeah. and, and that. But I think there's always good things that you can take away from. Um, I mean, from an urban point of view, career I thought was, was great. Um, I still had an amazing time at career. Um, and I, I think career was actually one of my favorite unicorns. Um, main, but a lot of that is because of just where we were, it was really special to be in that part of the world with all my unicycling friends. Yeah. Like I think that each one has different kind of, uh, aspects and, uh, memories. Um, and I've only been to two. So in, so uh, the first one was in uh, Montreal and then second one in San Sebastian in Spain uh, and the uh, and the one in uh, Montreal was so so good and it's like a unicycle meet but on like some kind of hardcore drug like it's insane um it's it's just so many people in the same area at once which if you think about it now sounds quite scary because of covid but um it's so good and i was just thinking back to when we were on the uh, metro in in um in uh, montreal and um we were traveling I think into the city and uh Damien was getting off at every stop. I was gonna ask if it was this the Damien Dion clip. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was trying to land a trick, but I've forgotten what it was. I think it was like a 720 or something. Um, I think so. And yeah. And like he got so close, but then he would have to come uh, back in um so that he could get uh, back on the metro. Um so he was getting really, really close into not getting back on the, the uh, metro. And then there were so many of us um, on the uh, metro itself. Um, and then he went out the the uh, last time and then he landed it. And everyone just started like cheering and shouting. And then he managed to just get back on the metro. Uh, and everyone was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, like it was so, so good. And it's just those sorts of things that really bring back the good uh, memories. 
I love that clip. I will try and find it and link it in the show notes because it just sums up like how stupid unicycling is and can be, uh, but how great it is at the same time. Exactly. Um, yeah, like I, think I, I love that it, clip. And I think I have it on my Facebook page, actually, so I'll uh, send you the uh, link. Oh, that'd be great. It, it's so good. Um, yeah. Um, slightly smaller event than Unicorn, um, but equally as good, I think, uh, is the STFU Trials event. Um, so we're going to run the STFU Trials event this year. Um and it's going to be slightly different to normal. Um, we're focusing much less on the competitions, rather topically, um, sort of linked to the last the last topic we talked about. So we're still going to have the UK Trials Championship competition um, at the event, um, but that's the only competition we're going to do. Um, in previous years, we've done speed trials, we've done high jump, we've done uh, the eliminator trial, um, and we've done uh, like the long jump. Um, but this year we're literally just going to do the trials comp on the Sunday. Um, and it's still going to run from Saturday to, to Sunday. Um, and, and people can arrive Friday if they want. Um, but we haven't really got a timetable. And the reason that I've done that is because I just wanted to focus on riding and talking to your mates and having a bit of a session. Um, cause I think, I think after everything that we've been through, like people just want to do that. They just want time to catch up. Um, and have a nice chill ride without having to think about the pressure of competition. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do with the STFU trials event. Um, and also because of the restrictions here, um, I've had to push it back a bit later in the year than we would normally have it. Um, so it's in July uh, and obviously Unicorn's not going to be on. So uh, we can have it in the summer because that's usually a, a barrier to having events in the summer um, is Unicorn is right in the middle. Um, so it, it'll be really nice to have a summer event here because uh, that massively increases the chance of good weather. Um, so yeah, 23rd to the 25th of July is the STFU Trials event. Um, and yeah, much less focus on competition. Nice. Uh, still going to be really, really good fun. Um, it's open to everyone. So if you're listening, you're from the UK, uh, or if you're in anywhere else in the world and we're allowed to travel at that point, everyone's welcome. Uh, Mark, you've been... Um, both both times we've had the event yeah i um, i'm really really eager to go again i uh i i really like the competition the the uk scene is is a super cool community i think uh well the the hard work that you put into stfu is really paying off i think uh so really uh heads down to to that like it's it's a super nice and, and welcoming community and um I, I so enjoyed my time at both of the STFU events, and uh, obviously I gotta mention the amazing trials course of uh, Radical Bikes. Um, shoot out, yeah. shoot out to to Tom and Molly. Uh, they are doing such an amazing job there, and uh, actually they are rebuilding the trials course uh, just now. And I'm I'm so interested to see what uh, are they coming up with, but I'm sure it's it's gonna be something uh, amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm, so I, as I said, I would really love to go uh, again. I, I have no idea how, how the travel restrictions are going to be at that point. But uh, yeah, if, if I can, I, I, I would love to be there. It would be so good to have you again. And yeah, like you say, so the event is Radical Bikes in Essex. Um, and it's 
one of the best trials courses in the UK for sure. And as Mark just said, they're they're rebuilding. So they completely pulled everything up. Uh, there was nothing left. It was a blank field last time I saw it. Um, and they're completely rebuilding from scratch, which is super exciting. Uh, same as Mark, I'm super excited to see what they come up with. Um, I spoke to Molly last week um, on the phone and uh they're gonna yeah they're rebuilding literally this week um and i was gonna go down and help um i've had loads of work so i haven't been able to but uh it'd be really cool if i can get over there and uh, at least have a little bit of a say in in how the course goes together um yeah like i said i was supposed to go down but work hasn't worked out that way uh but yeah it's a super really 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 good venue yeah um, and there's something for everyone as well. It is the UK Championships, but it doesn't matter if you can't hop on one pallet. Uh, we have lines that you can ride if you can't hop on one pallet. We always try and cater for everyone, and we always try and make the course as fun and as challenging for the people that have only just started riding trials as it is for the top riders. Um, and, and I hope that people that are at that level uh, come away with that feeling um, because that's what we try and do. We try and make it as inclusive as possible. Sure. Um, do you mind. do you know if uh, if they're going to build uh, the flat uh, surface or the flat spot in Radical? Um, I don't know. Uh, me and Tom spoke at length about this last summer. Um, I went there when we were allowed to go out again for a while um, and I went and spent a weekend with them and, and Tom and I spoke a lot about it. Um, and to build a proper flatland area would require a large piece of concrete, um, that would literally just, would only have that purpose really. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know is, is the question, the answer to right. that. Um, we came to the conclusion that building anything temporary for event is just a waste of time because it, it just, it wouldn't be adequate. Um, there's no point in half in something um if it's just going to be a bad experience for the riders um because we wanted to make something from pallets um but on a grass surface it's just not going to be good enough yeah we have we have done that in at one of the hungarian conventions at the first uh, duc the duna unicycle convention that aiden was organizing and uh so we just laid pallets on on the grass and we put osb sheets on top well it more or less work but of course like there are some uh spots that are like a bit you know like mushy and yeah. everything so yeah yeah we weren't sure i mean in my mind you can make it flat exactly. you can't make it not exactly. bounce. um so it's always yeah. going to have that bit of bounce if it's made of timber Unless I don't know if there's any way of getting some, uh, around that. Super uh, thick timber, which probably would make it way too expensive. Yeah. And I. Yeah, yeah. Tom and I were looking at putting mm -hmm. pl like ply sheet in the whole thing, but then it just. Yep. It comes so expensive that it's just. The, yeah. the, the, and the I'm cost sure the, the barrier, other problem then. with the concrete would be I know it's uh, like the area is in like a green belt or something, and they, they already had some problems in the past with the buildings yeah. there. So probably laying down like a, I don't know, uh, 40, 50 uh, square meter uh, concrete area would probably mean some troubles. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they've just had their planning permission approved. Um, they, they put okay, in planning great. permission to get a new shop um, with, with a cafe attached um, and I think a new toilet block. Um, 
with some showers, I think. Um, and they've just That's had that approved. Nice. So that's wow. really, really exciting. Yeah. Unfortunately, it won't be ready for the, the trials event, um, but it will it will be, I think Molly said, by Sweet. next year, it'll be, it'll be finished. Um, so that'll be really nice. They'll have some fresh new facilities and they'll be able to serve awesome. the, the trials community even better. Um, so yeah, that's the STFU trials event. And that's the 23rd to the 25th of July um, at Radical Bikes. Uh, if you want to buy tickets for that, they're on sale right now. Um, so hit the link in the show notes um, or go to the STFU website and it's on there. Um, and actually, I've got one more thing to talk about and that is unicycle skills. Um, and actually... There is a unicycle skills uh, trials workshop, beginner and intermediate workshop, um, that will be held on the Saturday at the STFU trials event. Um, and I, I kind of, I kind of hate to shamelessly self promote myself, um, but unicycle skills is uh, something by uh, Marie Schlenker and I, um, and we started a unicycle academy. Um, so we're we're running unicycle workshops um, and coaching. Uh, for all levels of unicycling um, from complete beginners how to ride courses right up to kind of uh, advanced freestyle and and trials courses um, so we, we've sort of we just launched last week um, and it is very new and the the trials event is going to be our first workshop uh, we've got myself and mike taylor um, taking the intermediate and the beginner trials workshops with marie for support uh, Marie is a very good coach. She's got um, 10 years of coaching experience in unicycling. I myself have not quite as much as that, but I've got coaching experience. Um, and yeah, we're really excited to launch um, the company. Uh, so if you're listening and you fancy doing some unicycle uh, courses or workshops, um, get onto the Unicycle Skills website, have a look. We can't actually do uh, many. We can do private courses with groups of up to six people at the moment. Um, but because of the restrictions, we haven't been able to do group courses, which is uh, kind of the main core of what we do. Uh, would be sort of like 10 to 20 people in a course. Um, but we haven't been able to do that because of the restrictions. And actually, one of the problems we're coming across is getting venues. Uh, no venue wants to rent the, the sports halls at the moment. So um, if you if you are interested, go to the website and register your interest. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start putting some courses up as soon as we can. But uh, yeah, really excited about that. Um, as I say, I hate promoting myself, uh, but we're, we're, we're really excited. We've been putting such a lot of work into this. Um, and we're super proud and I'm a, a bit sad that Marie can't be here to talk with us about it as well yeah I um, think like it's a really an exciting thing uh, because a big gap in the unicycling is where people try it out for a bit and then they don't really take to it and then they just stop um, and I think a big chunk of that is not knowing how to learn and and um and and i guess perhaps people don't know other people who ride but then with this um people can start to learn and they can start to get good uh tips on how to improve further and and also uh and also uh meet other people who uh, ride as well so i think it's a really nice thing to uh, do 
yeah we're, we're hoping that it'll be a, a funnel into the sport for people because like you say like some people get into it and they they learn to ride um or they might struggle to learn to ride and give up almost immediately um but if they do get through the the initial barrier of actually learning to ride in the first place they might they don't necessarily know what they can do with it afterwards um unless you're you have the um like the foresight to type in like trials unicycling or street unicycling or unicycle races into google you might never even stumble across the community um so we're hoping that we can sort of funnel people in and and build this build the sport up and and be a prom- uh, be a method of prof- promoting our sport to kind of the yeah, wider hopefully. world fingers crossed for you guys i yeah. i was really excited to to see the project and uh, i i've been thinking about doing uh, something similar in Hungary for, for a long time. Uh, I've also done a lot of uh, coaching for kids in like uh, elementary and, uh, and high schools and also in, uh, in some uh, other camps, uh, like also in, in unicycle camps. And I also think that uh, if uh, like, you know, if just like in any sport, if, if you want to learn it by yourself, it takes so much more time. Uh, if you if you have a coach who can teach you uh, how to practice things the right way so they will lead uh, to the right uh, goals and to the right uh, directions, then it, it's just so much more easier and it probably it will help people to, to like stay in the sport because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they get a unicycle, they, they begin uh, learning how to ride, but unfortunately a lot of people abandon unicycling before they they really get the hang of it and because they really get into it because they just find it too difficult or they have no company to ride with and i think uh like a project like like unicycle skills is is uh is a great opportunity to like uh you know like like try and save these people in the sport and also the people who are already in unicycling but uh, they are struggling to to like uh, one up their level and uh, and to improve i think it's it's a really nice opportunity for people to uh uh to to learn in a much easier way and like you don't have to uh you know uh search through hours and hours of tutorials to write to find the right advice for you but uh you have like a person-to-person workshop where they basically uh give you uh personalized advices and uh and help i think that's great Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Looking forward. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, as I say, our first, our first workshop is at the STFU trials event on the Saturday, exactly one day before the competition. So if you want to brush up on your trial skills, or if you've never ridden trials before and you want to have a go, uh, it's the perfect opportunity to learn learn a bit about trials, um, learn some techniques, and then go and test them out in the competition. Um, because uh, like we said before everyone is welcome to enter the competition it does not matter what your level is whatsoever it's all about having fun and pushing yourself um so yeah uh, so so yeah that's unicyclescales.com if you want to go there and you can book tickets for that so wait Ed, that means there will be no eliminator and no banana peels no banana skins well do you know what the closer to the event it gets the the more I think, oh, maybe we should do other competitions. But you know, I think like we were saying about Unicon, uh, when there's lots of urban riders together and there's uh, like a group of urban riders and they're trying to think of something to do, something fun always happens. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Always. 
Um, so I think, um, and I think we're still going to run the, the silly games in the evening. So we'll still have like sumo and gladiator and yeah, the races. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I think, you know, I, I don't think we're going to miss that much from the event. Yeah. Um, it might it might be slightly different, um, but I, I don't think it's going to be any less yeah. good. Yeah. Actually, if uh, you just allow me to have another note or uh, another thought on this convention championship thing, uh, something just uh, came into my mind. And it's that, uh, you know, when you're organizing such a huge event like Unicon, uh, like like just to, just to put it... Uh, uh, straightforward like most of the people who are working at unicon are volunteers even the main organizers uh are, are volunteers so they they don't have like a huge budget to have like a manager for everything and to take care of everything um i i have been uh, even director uh at uh in uh, in korea uh, i've been directing uh together with buki and emil uh street and uh, and uh flatland so, so yeah, what I wanted to say is that when you're organizing such a huge event, you may not have, you know, like a person uh, taking care of like, I don't know, parties or, or, uh, or like such of these things that really makes it uh, a convention. So these events, they really need uh, the people who are willing to, you know, uh, be like kind of party starters, not just talking about parties, but also talking about city rides, group rides. Uh, together, muni rides, muni workshops, etc. All of these things. Um, so, as a lot of things in unicycling, it really uh, relies on uh, people being, uh, um, you know, uh, ready to to take action and and be a little bit of uh, to do a little bit of volunteering. So, yeah, if if you're an event like this, or even just an event like uh, like the SDF, you you know, just uh, if you want to make it feel more like a uh, convention just uh, you know be more open-minded be more uh, open to like uh, random street rides and everything and then yeah then then it will help uh, bring back the convention feeling yeah definitely great i think that's a that's a really nice point to finish off with man <laughs> cheers that that's it that's my list that we're done Woo-hoo! Um, <laughs> we've do you know we've been going for two hours and 17 minutes by my recorder um, and that's the longest podcast that we've done so far sorry guys it's way I talk past too my much. bedtime <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you too we, I've got to say well obviously Mark is in Hungary uh, so you're an hour ahead of us but Gareth is actually in Belgium so he's an hour ahead of me as well um, so it's really late sorry guys no that's that's alright as I said I was really pleased uh, to, to join you guys and probably it was because of me I, I talk way too much so sorry about that everything you say is interesting Mark, so it's today, good. <laughs> yeah. cheers cheers guys special guest special guest priorities <laughs> but yeah no it was really good to speak to you and gareth it was great to have you on the podcast for the first time um and it was really good to see you as well pete uh haven't seen you for ages yeah, even though we've been we're really close to each other um in comparison to everyone else in comparison um, to belgium <laughs> yeah Belgium or Hungary is a little bit further than <laughs> Northamptonshire um, yeah, but yeah good. to all the listeners thank you for listening if you made it this far uh, congratulations I'm really sorry that the podcast has been a little bit spotty um, I made I promised the world and I didn't deliver and I apologise I'll try and make them a bit more regular um, I'm not going to make any stupid promises again though um, links to 
a lot of the things we've talked about will be in the show notes. So if you want to go and find out more about unicorns, um, about the STFU trials event, about unicycle skills, about the IUF, um, I'll link to all those in the show notes. Um, and I'll also link to uh, Damien Dion's 720 in the Montreal subway. Um, that will be by far the most interesting link. And the Cinco videos. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all... All of Mark's stuff will also be in the show notes. Um, so if you want to follow Mark or go and see all of his videos, then all those links will be in too. And obviously, if you have any comments or questions on anything we've talked about, um, then just hit us up at unicyclelifepodcast at gmail.com um, or comment wherever you see this. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Pete. Um, I've been Ed Hawks and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>